0: Thank you very much, Miss Debbie. I sure appreciate that. And uh, always a blessing to have people use their talent for the Lord. Amen. It's a blessing. All right. Well, we're starting a new series here tonight. We're going to be in Matthew chapter number 25. All right. Matthew chapter number 25 is where we're going to be at here this evening. And so... (laughs) Okay. Sorry. The sound guys are messing with me. They're being evil. So we have a confidence screen, which means the screen in the back says something different than the screen up here does. And they can put stuff on that back screen that's supposed to let me know if something's not going right. And we have Chase Moore up there here tonight, and uh, they're up there trying to put the score of the game scrolling across the screen, which hadn't even started yet. So I know y'all are lying. And uh, I have done my best to try to train this church to let you know you will be excommunicated if you, if you spoil the game for me. So uh, anyways, it's football season again, and that means you all turn honorary And uh, anyways, well, on that note, Matthew 25, uh, is out here I thought it was something serious. I'm up there trying to read it. And they're just being ridiculous. All right, Matthew twenty-five and verse number fourteen. Boys, do y'all have the handouts? Go forth, prosper. <laughs> um, and uh, we got some handouts here, just like we had done with the series on prayer, uh, which we just finished up uh, last Sunday or Sunday before last. Uh, very helpful and uh, very thankful we were able to do that series on prayer. Uh, It uh, was beneficial for me to study it and learn it, and uh, I know hopefully it was beneficial for you all. Very thankful to hear some feedback on how it was uh, helpful and applicable to so many people in their life. And so kind of following in that same thought process, uh, Sunday night we're just dealing with very practical things uh, that you can just take home and that they can be applied in your life just uh, right away. And so it's very atypical for me. I'm very used to preaching expositionally, which basically means we go to a book of the Bible and we just start going verse by verse by verse by verse and just work our way through it. Uh, But uh, we're doing something a little bit different as we deal with a topic. And of course, we're dealing with that area of finances. And so um, we'll we'll talk about what all 11 of the um, sermons, 11 of the lessons, whatever you want to call them, are going to be. So as they're passing those out, I did want to mention, um, I wish I could say I'm just super intelligent and I just come up with all these wonderful ideas all by myself, Uh, but that, you know, is not the case. Uh, Obviously, the the greatest source of material and what we want to ultimately land on is the Bible. Uh, That is ultimately, that's God's wisdom, Uh, but there are some other books that are out there that are just very helpful, and so I want to mention a, a couple of them. Um, I'm actually almost done reading this book, uh, Money, Debt, and Finances, Critical Questions and Answers by Jim Neuheiser, and uh, I, I just had some recommendations from some folks saying this was a good book, um, and uh, it's got a bunch of chapters. There's like 40 chapters in this, but they're all pretty short, and they're just questions that people have about finance. And uh, I didn't think it'd be as tremendous of a book as it's been, but it's very good, very biblically based, a lot of good Bible verses and uh, that are tied in with this. Um, and so this is a, a wonderful. Uh, book that'd be a good asset to you if you wanted to, to pick that up. It's a, It's been a help to me, and so we'll, we'll utilize some of the information in this. Now, the other one, I've probably owned 100 copies in my lifetime, but somehow I've given them all away uh, and don't have one. I was looking through my bookshelf because I usually keep about five or six copies of this book, and if people come in, I go, Here, read this, you know, uh, and somehow I don't have one, and so I, I don't have a copy to show you, but um, I it's a book called The Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. and I know it's probably well known, even if you have never read the book, you've probably heard of it or heard of Dave Ramsey. Um, but I will say this, any of these guys uh, obviously are going to be fallible because we're dealing with broken and fallen humans. So although there's good principles to learn by, and even Bible verses that are used and that can be very helpful and applicable, Uh, No book is going to be perfect like the Scriptures. And so always take everything with a grain of salt. Be mindful about what you're reading, right? Eat the chicken, spit the bones out, that type of stuff. Uh, But those are two books I think will be very helpful. And they're probably the two of the four or five that I'll be using in this series that I'll draw from the most. Uh, It'll be very helpful. So the, the sermon actually tonight, I didn't draw from either one of those books. I actually pulled from one of Paul Chappell's books called Stewarding Life. And uh, it's got a chapter in there about finances. Most of the book is about stewarding in other areas, our time, our energy, uh, our our livelihood, all those things. And so it's a good book, but uh, anyways, there was a chapter in there on stewarding our finances, and so I kind of pilfered some information from that uh, for even the lesson here tonight. So just to let you know, it's kind of a multi-source, some stuff that I personally have learned and and, uh, have, have... perceived from the Scriptures, and other things from some books, and so hopefully this will be a helpful series uh, in that regard. All right, Matthew 25 and verse number 14. You found your place there and you're able to, let's stand together to honor the reading of God's Word. Matthew chapter 25 and verse number 14. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country... ...who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. Likewise, he that had received two... He also gained other two, but he that had received one went, digged in the earth, and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents, behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he, which had received the one talent, came and said, "Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou had not sown, and gathering where thou hast not straw. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there. Thou hast, that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant. Thou knewest that I reap where I sow not, and gather where I have not straw. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, give it unto him that hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given... And he shall have abundance, but from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And we're going to use this story here tonight to talk about this idea of stewardship. So may God bless the reading of his word. You can be seated and thank you for standing in honor of the scriptures here tonight. Money matters to God. Okay. Just, just like any other area of our life, um, we don't have like pockets of our life that we're like, all right, God, you have something to say and you have concern about all these things, but not this one. Right? God, God is, in, we say it this way, our God is holistic. He's interested in every aspect of our life. And just as equally as we just got done talking about our prayer life, just as interested as God talking about our prayer life and how that ought to be great communication with God and how we can be better, Lord teach us to pray, I hope we can come to the same conclusion that God has a lot to say about the area of our finances. And then we could say this, God help me to care for my finances the way you want me to and take care of them as I ought to before you. We say it this way, he is not silent on the matter of finances, and I'm very thankful for that. Amen. Did you know I, I did a little bit of research, Googled it? You know, that's the best research you can do nowadays, you just Google it. You get on there and type in stressors. So usually you get like top ten lists, you know. So you got several websites and they are like top stressors in people's life. You know what was consistently always in like the top three of every one of those lists? Money, absolutely. Yeah, Money can be a very stressful thing and money-related issues, right? Uh, savings, retirement, debt, the IRS, taxes, right? All, all these things can be a little overwhelming at times. And uh, I'm very thankful that God is not silent on the area of our money. He actually gives us so much about how we ought to manage and how we ought to view money. And so the, there's obviously a right perspective about all this. Uh, I don't actually have it in the notes and working on it. I don't think in any of the lessons is probably going to deal with this, but a lot of people think money is evil, but money is not necessarily evil, and it's not necessarily good. It's just a thing. But it can be used for great evil, and it can be used for great good. And it's a tool which if given over to God and given to Him with the right attitude and perspective, it can be used for great good, wonderful and great things can happen. We just heard from one of our missionaries here tonight who works with uh, folks who have had addictions and helps them with that and the horse ranch and things. And I tell you, the lives can be changed and we can hear about missionaries that are uh, like the one we're here on Wednesday night going over to Sudan. That takes money to do that stuff. Well, that's a wonderful blessing of something that money can accomplish. Of course, we understand the love of money is the root of all evil. Greed is not a good thing, but money is really amoral. It can be used for great good and it can be used for great evil. And I'm thankful God's given us some wisdom about how it can be used for great good. And it doesn't have to be a stressful thing in your life. God's given some awesome principles about it. Now, God didn't give us money to be a headache in our life. He actually intended it to be a blessing, intended for us to use it wisely. Okay? So, in, Jesus gave 38 parables during His earthly ministry. A parable, of course, is an earthly story that has a deeper heavenly meaning. Now, this that we've just read is one of His parables. Now, what's interesting about this is this parable has a lot to do with finances, Now, obviously, there's some spiritual truth. We're going to deal more with the surface level of this. The spiritual truth behind this is simply this. God's given you some talents and abilities, and you need to use them for the Lord. Yeah, They need to be submitted to Him. So this goes beyond just finances, this, this parable here. But we're going to use it in regard to finances because that's really the surface level of what this parable is. Of the 38 parables that Jesus gave during His earthly ministry... 16 of them deal with money. In some way or fashion, they deal with money and possessions, stuff that people own or owe. And so, obviously, he knew there are some topics that resonate with people. And money was something that resonated in his day, we say it this way, and it resonates in our day. Why? Because we all have money. Some people will probably say, I wish I had more of it, right? And maybe there's some who say, I wish I had less. Okay, nobody says they wish I had less. Of it, right? But I'll say this, we all have to deal with finances. So it resonates with us as a truth here. Now, before we get into the parable here, just kind of go through some of the notes and get them up on the screen there for you. Managing and perspective. Okay, We're going to talk a lot about what it means to manage your finances. And we're going to talk a lot about what it means that you know, have a budget and saving and investing and, and biblical principles on those things. And that's a really good thing to have. But before we can learn how to manage money in a God-honoring way, we first have to get a right perspective on money. Right? We, have to, we have to look at money in a right way. And the reason why is if we have a wrong view of money, it changes our application of biblical principles about money. You, you know, there's a lot of good biblical principles about saving and investing and about uh, you know, how to gain and be smart with your money. But if we start to apply those biblical principles from a heart of greed and love of money, we have a wrong perspective about money. We're, we're, we're doing biblical principles, but we're not doing it for the right reason. And so we need to have a right perspective because perspective and, and biblical truth always helps dictate our behavior. Belief affects behavior. And so it is both important to know how to manage money and to have the right perspective about money. We have to have both of them. Okay? So first let's do this here this evening. We're going to get a right and biblical perspective about money. And then in the ensuing lessons, we're going to do this. How do I manage it properly? Right? So those go hand in hand and work together. So let's talk about the parable of the talents here. Okay, well, what is this parable of these talents? Well, first there's four characters in the story. You have the master, he's the one who's got the money. He's the owner of this business, he's the owner of these uh, items, he is the one who's going on the trip, he's the master, okay? Then you have three servants. Now, you might not catch this in the the surface level of going through it, but these servants are not equal or identical. They're actually very, very different. And that's good for the story because we're different, Right? As we go through this, you're going to understand there's some folks in our church that are maybe well off. And maybe there's some folks in our church that are really struggling financially, right? So, And there's all the spectrum in between. So it's nice that there are these different characters in the story that help us understand that we're not all on the same playing field, right? There's different levels there, and it's not right or wrong. It just is what it is. So the first one is the servant number one, and this guy is a talented individual He's capable of handling large sums of money. So if you look at it this way, this is like a foreman. This is a guy who's been on the job site for a long time. He knows what he's doing. The boss knows he can trust him with this amount of money. And he gives him five talents. Now, a a, a lot of people have debated about what the talent is. Um, Are we talking about a talent of this? Is it a weight? Is it a, a, a monetary value? There's been a lot of debate. But most people will always come to the same conclusion, which is this. It's a lot of money. One talent was a large sum of money. So the fact that he invests five talents in this guy, gave him a huge chunk of money, uh, identifies this. He trusted in his ability to handle that money. There, there was some history there that said this guy with his experience and his knowledge and his wisdom can handle it. Okay? The next guy, servant number two, obviously a little bit lower down on this, but he's kind of a mid-range guy. He knows how to handle a medium-sized money. He gets two talents less than half of what the first guy got, right? It just kind of shows the ability of that first guy. But this guy, obviously, he's been on the job for a while. He's had some history of doing things and knows how to follow through with the job, and he's got some abilities and talents there. So he gets these two talents to be able to manage. Servant number three is like an entry-level guy. We say this. He, he's maybe a young guy or a guy who doesn't have a lot of experience, But obviously, there were probably more servants that this guy had, but he trusted him enough that he was willing to give him this talent, which is still a large sum of money that's there. So there's different skills and abilities that these guys have, okay? So because of this guy's skills and ability and his talents, he gets five. Because of his skills, ability, and talents, he gets two. And because of his skills, ability, and talents, he gets one, None of them are better than the other. No one's right. No one's wrong. It just shows that we're in different uh, levels and different areas of life, possibly. Some people, God's blessed with more talents and abilities, and maybe they can handle five, whereas others might be able to handle one. Okay? There's nothing right or wrong about that. It's just the case of the characters uh, that we're dealing with here in the story. So here's the scenario as it lays out. The master has to leave on a long trip. We're not told where he's going. We're not told how long he's going to be gone. Actually, it gives the idea it's just going to be gone for a long time, and it's an undisclosed amount of time. So there you go. The servants are given their various money that they're supposed to invest and leverage in order to earn money for their master while he's away. This seems to be some type of an investing thing that's happening here because he's giving them money to make money. Okay? So they're taking the money. And they're using it to invest or buy and sell so that they can gain more money. So they're leveraging that money that's been given to them in order to earn additional money. So that's what the, that's what the master tells them that they're supposed to do. Then the master returns. And of course, then there's a day of reckoning or accountability. And they have to give an account for what they did with his money. The master gave them money. He leaves. He comes back and he says, what would you do with my money? Okay, And so there's that day of reckoning that happens. So here's the results. Servant 1 and 2 have an identical response that's given to them. They work hard. They double their master's money. Both of them saw 100% return, which is awesome. I don't know how long the master was gone, but that's, that's a good return. I don't know about you, but if you gave money to a guy and said, Hey, can you take care of my retirement fund came back a year later and he had doubled it, you'd go, Good job. That's pretty good. That'd be a pretty awesome return on investment. And so obviously these guys worked hard at this. We don't know how long they had it, but they worked very hard at it. So you probably know this. If I were given money from someone and I got them double the amount they had and they showed back up, I'd be like, I'm excited to tell you what I did with your money. I've got some exciting news to share with you, right? So there's exciting news that they have to share. They're super pumped about that. All their hard work is about to pay off, and they're going to hear from the master. He's going to hand down the reward, which is this, well done, right? Well done. (sighs) So what does this well done mean? You don't have this there in your notes, but I'll give it to you here. So they did good. He says, well done that good, right? They did that which was right. They did which that was commendable. It was something that he could say, good. It, It was right. You did, you did what I asked you to do. Good job, right? He also says this, faithful. Well, why? Because the master wasn't gone for a short trip. He was gone on a long trip, which means this. They had to have continual investing going on with this money. It wasn't like they just did it and then sat on their rump and just waited for him to come back. The idea is that it seems like they were being really responsible with this money being faithful to continue to invest it and be wise with it and make sure there was no loss. And so it seems like they were working very hard with the master's money. We also know this, that they were rewarded with greater trust and influence. You've been faithful over this, now I'm going to allow you to be faithful over this. I know I can trust you with five, so here's ten. I know I can trust you with two, so here's four. Right? I mean, that's how it works, Come on, if you work at your job and you have a guy that's underneath you and you give him a task and he not only does it good, he does it great, you go, that guy can handle a task so I'm going to give him more responsibility. I mean, it's just the way things work and so here they're rewarded with that. That has been faithful over a few things, I'll make thee ruler over many things. Expanded influence. And then they got to experience the joy of their master. He was pleased with them. Enter into the joy of thy master, right? This says this. Uh, you're, you're on my A-team now. Good job. You know, way, way to go. Well done. So all these things are encompassed in the idea of well done. Though. Now, servant number three was a little bit different. He gets his money and he goes and buries it in a hole in the ground. We say, well, where did he get that idea from? Well, he said the reason he did it was because he was scared. His fear led to inactivity. Right? That, that's not what God wanted him to do. Obviously, he was not excited about the master coming. Instead, he did something worse than give an excuse. He gives an excuse, but he goes a step further and he makes an accusation. <laughs> well, what's the accusation that he made? Well, I know you're a hard man. And you sow where you don't reap and try to get where you haven't. Uh, sown, you know, so I, I just knew you're a hard man. Well, there's nothing that indicates in this story that he was a hard man. Now, he, of course, the master comes back and he says, I, I, you did know that I'm going to try to reap where I didn't sow because I gave you the money to take care of that. I wasn't the one doing the work. You're the one doing the work. That's kind of what the job description was. You knew I was going to reap where I didn't sow. <laughs> but I'm not a hard man. You no, know, he, doesn't, he doesn't identify himself as that. That's something else that this guy puts on him that was totally inaccurate. Actually, this master sounds like he's a pretty good master, a pretty good guy. And yet he says, I knew you were a hard man. He says this, basically saying, uh, I didn't think I was going to be able to please you. I, I, I thought you were going to be mad no matter what I did, so I did nothing. That's his excuse that he gives that's there. So here's the master's rebuke. He says this, You are a wicked and a slothful servant. Remember, this man was not given more than he could handle. So the only explanation for why he did what he did was because he was just a bad servant. That's what it all boils down to. It has nothing to do with he had more than he could handle or God put more on him or he only was a one guy so obviously God didn't trust him in the first place. None of those things are accurate or true. He had that one job that was given to him. Had he gotten two, he would have gotten the same percentage yield as the rest of them and would have heard well done. I think, honestly, the, the master even says here, if you had just put it in the bank and got interest, I mean, you just got me like 0.5%, you know? If you just got me a little bit of interest on it, that would have been better than putting it in a hole in the ground. Honestly, I think there would have been maybe some aspect where the master says, well, it wasn't great, but at least he did something. But he did nothing with it. What an absolute waste. So the master calls him wicked, which basically means this, bad-natured. You've got a bad spirit about you, bad attitude. And he calls him this, slothful, lazy. You went and buried it in a hole and then sat and did nothing for the whole time I was gone. Lazy, slothful, sluggard. He could have at least put it in the bank and got some low interest returns, so the master calls him unprofitable, and then he removes him from his service. Now, we're of just kind of with the parable story here, where he says, you're removed, there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. We're not going to dig into all the extra parable stuff there, but just to say this, the master says this, uh, you're no longer employed with me anymore. Right? You're you're done. You're no longer in good standing with me. You're no longer employed with me because you did a bad job and he removes him from the blessing of being in his service. Now, a couple key notes to notice about the story. Go through this quick. Here are three things to notice. First thing is this. The master did not give them more than they could handle. The the Scriptures actually says he gave every man according to his several ability. So that's what it means this. I gave you five because I knew you could handle it. I gave you two because I knew you could handle it. I gave you one because I knew you could handle it. He didn't give the one guy five, and he didn't give the five guy one. Because they had different skill levels, different ages. Whatever the case was, he gave them different amounts. Now, God entrusts us with finances, but he never gives you more than you can handle. Okay, So we'll we'll revisit that here in a moment. But uh, Number two there, the money was not theirs. It belonged to their master. So it's a great... Truth to realize this, they couldn't sit back and say, look at my five talents. Look at my two talents. Because ultimately it belonged to the master. They were managing the money for him. He says this in one of the early verses, delivered unto them his goods. He gave the servants his goods. And then the third one here, there was a day of accountability. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. Which simply means this. They were given the master's finances, and eventually they were going to have to say how they handled those. How did you take care of God's finances? Now, again, we we could look at every one of these things. I'm very thankful God has given you what God wants you to have financially. Now, that doesn't mean that God doesn't want you to have more or God doesn't want you to handle it. We'll talk about all those things. But God can give you according to your abilities. He wants you to steward what he's given you. Uh, some people say, if I had a million dollars, boy, howdy, I'd do a lot of good things for God. If I, if I could just have a, if, if, I, if I won the lottery, right? Which Don't do that. But if I won the lottery and I got $300 million, man, I'd, I'd do this and I'd do that and I'd do this. Well, yeah, what are you doing with the $300 God gave you right now? Mm-hmm. If you're not faithful with this, God's not going to bless you with more, right. right? I was saying this, a lot of people say, well, if I had lots and lots, I'd be faithful with it. You know what I found? People who have lots and lots oftentimes don't do more for God with it. Oftentimes, it's the widow's mite that does a lot more. Now, there are certain people God's blessed with great riches, and they use it for God's glory, and God's blessed them, and they recognize it's God's money, and they use it right. But listen, there's a lot of danger in wealth. Jesus said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich person to get saved. People trust in riches and there's love of money that's there. There's a lot of danger in that. So all all I'm saying is, is if we can't be good stewards of the little, what makes us think that we would be good stewards with the much? It doesn't work that way. Uh, When I worked uh, at the feed store when I was in high school, I was making like 80 bucks a week back then. That was about enough money for me to put a tank of gas in my truck, pay my tithes and my missions, and then put the rest of it in savings for college, right? And so that's basically what I did every week. You know, with my money I got off that. It was a lot easier to manage $80 a week from the feed store job when I was still living with my parents than it is managing the finances that we have now. A lot more bills, a lot more responsibility, a lot more expectations. So if you can't be faithful with little, there's no way you're going to be faithful with much. Okay. Uh, the money was not theirs, but it belonged to the master. We're going to talk about that and obviously the day of accountability. So the next point here, number three, which is dealing with this idea everything belongs to the master everything belongs to god and it comes from god Mm, this is this is the point for tonight this is the thing we need to walk away with right we're trying to deal with this idea of a proper and a right perspective about money here tonight Uh, and and then of course we'll get to the practical the nuts and bolts but tonight we get a right perspective about money um i love the doxology You you know the first line of the doxology Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Well, you just think about it, even just that first line of the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Uh, wonderful there. What about some verses here? James 1, says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness nor shadow of turning. Psalm 24, 1 says, The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. It all belongs to Him. Deuteronomy 10, 14, Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord's thy God, the earth also, and all that therein is. Now, we can bring a quote a lot of Scripture that talks about the idea that God owns everything. There's a verse that says it this way, You came in with nothing, and you've got to leave with nothing. Right? It, you, you can't take it with you. You came into this world without anything, and you will leave this world without anything. And ultimately, it all belongs to Him. It's all the Lord's. Now, we don't use an ATM much uh, with our family. We don't, we don't do just a whole bunch of cash uh, in, in our household. We just have gotten in a system. I think our whole world's gotten in a system. We just don't do that very much. And so, uh, but uh, anytime we do go to an ATM, especially the younger the child is, the more entertaining it is to watch them, you go up, you put your debit card in or whatever, you know, you punch in your PIN code and you put how much you want, and yada, and then the money just goes, Bleh, and you go, and you just, ooh, look at this, I got money, right? I just watched the kid, they're just sitting there going, that money just give that, that machine just gives you money. I want to push some buttons and just get some money, right? That's, that's a pretty cool setup right there. You don't have to do chores or anything. You just get money out of the machine. Now, for those of you that understand how an ATM machine works, you understand the money doesn't come from the machine. It comes from your account. The, the machine's not just magically giving you free money. No, there's a source of that money. It's your bank account. And if your bank account has money, you put it in there, and it comes out the ATM machine. And then it's debited out of your account. It be nice if they forget to do that sometimes, right? But they debit it out of your account. Now, listen, your job gifts that people give you, investments, all the the good that we receive, those are the ATM machine, but the bank account, that's God. You follow the illustration here? So God is the one who owns everything, and he allows us to receive that money through those sources. And if we're not careful, we'll be like a kid who's sitting there going, wow, you do the job and you get money. Wow, you do this and you get money, not realizing that it's actually coming from God. He's the one, listen, all good gifts come from Him. Everything descends from the Father of light. It all belongs to Him. It all comes from Him. He is the ultimate source of all of our finances and all the good that we receive, all of our possessions. It ultimately streams back to a wonderful and good God. The reality is that the money came from our account. Obviously, the machine did not give it there. Now, we are to be stewards of God's money. Okay? Be stewards of God's money. Because everything ultimately belongs to God and we're just managing God's money, we ought to manage our finances the God the way God would manage his. Okay? I'll say it this way: if I if I give my money to a person, we invest money every month, we have it drafted from our account and it goes uh, to a financial manager who manages our retirement funds, right? We have a Roth IRA, and we invest in that, and we have a person, and that person is responsible for making sure it gets in the right funds and it gets where it's supposed to be. Now, if that person, I check in on that account every few months, check in and call them once a year and make sure everything's doing what it's supposed to do. If we figure out that they're not doing what they're supposed to do, you know what happens to that person? They fired And we're moving our money somewhere else. Why? Because they're not managing our money the way we want it managed. Because it's not their money. That's my money. And they're just managing it for me. Now, in that same... We understand that logic. Understand this. The money you have is God's. And you are simply managing God's money. So manage it the way that He wants it to be managed care for it the way that God would care for it if he had his finances. Uh, Randy Alcorn said this in his book, If God was the owner, I was the manager. I needed to adopt a steward's mentality toward the assets he had entrusted, not given to me. A steward manages the assets for the owner's benefit, The steward carries no sense of entitlement to the assets he manages. It's his job to find out what the owner wants done with his assets, then carry out the owner's will. That's exactly what God has called us to do with his finances. So uh, I was thinking here tonight, actually, you you got the Cowboys game going on later this evening, get some snacks after the service and stuff here tonight, but I'm a little light in the wallet. So um, for sake of illustration here tonight, Uh, We're going to see if some of y'all will help me out some with that and get some money here tonight. We were talking about finances, so this is going to work out good. Billy, you have money that you can give me? This is going to work out great. We got a good start, but uh, we're still a little light in the wall. We got some new members that are here. Billy, sit down, sit down. We're moving in the right direction here. These guys know how to do this. Some of y'all are nervous I'm gonna to come to you at this moment, aren't you? You're like, I don't know about this. This is turning into a bad church service right here. Let's see here. Brother Jeff's loaded, he's got his own business. Come on, brother Jeff. <laughs> Pony up. I need some cowboy money. Oh yeah. We're moving in the right. Look at this. They're not being chintzy either. This is really helping me out. This is gonna be great. We're up to uh sixty bucks. We're doing pretty good here. Let's see here. I've picked on this side too much you go around the other everybody's like super nervous now hey tabitha i'm just kidding i'm just kidding yeah, tabitha. let's see here brother ken brother ken's loaded i know it he's got tons of money he's okay Yep. and uh yeah, that'll work let's be good all right and then uh, let's see here scott he's about to have a baby he's got he's just he doesn't need any more money he's about to have kids that's all you need in life right what is that how he carries his money in around his wallet apparently all right we got 100 bucks this will work out pretty good well you know here's the thing you know it's easy for these guys to give me that money because I gave it to them before the service started that's pretty easy to do because it didn't really cost these guys anything actually I gave it to them and they're like hmm We'll see you on Wednesday night, preacher. They're about to skip out on the service. You know. Hey, I paid 20 bucks to go to church tonight. Yeah. I'll say this. It's easier for them to give back something that was never theirs in the first place. Good. You know, it changes your perspective on money, doesn't it? Well, you're a lot easier about managing it differently when you realize it's not really mine. It belongs to somebody else. Yeah. It's good. So I need to take care of it like it's theirs and not like it's mine. It's a mentality shift, isn't it? We, we have a mentality shift when we start to do this. It's not mine. It's God's. It belongs to Him. So let me, let me wrap this up. We'll do this here real quick, okay? <clears throat> we're going to end this series, uh, talk about 11 different things. Of course, we're talking tonight about stewardship. But we're going to examine several things about our finances, about how to be the right kind of steward, and how does God want us to manage His money based on His Word. And so this would be a wonderful thing to be helpful to. So we're going to talk about not being a sluggard, But working hard, God wants you to work, not be lazy. If a man not work, he shouldn't eat, right? So God wants you to work. Uh, Number two in that is contentment. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Did you know you would be the richest person in the world? You just learned to be happy with what you got instead of being discontent about what you don't have? Mm, Yep. Debt. Debt is a dangerous word. We're going to talk about the dangers of debt. Okay? We're going to talk about spending and budgeting. <laughs> so we're like, oh, budget, right? Uh, budget's not meant to be a bad thing, it's, it can be a very helpful thing. And we're to talk about how we ought to spend our money and budgeting and taking care of that. We're going to talk about tithing. It's a good Bible word, it means the tenth part. God wants us to give us the, the tenth. We're talk about tithing. We're going to talk about saving and investing. Uh, what does it mean to save? How should you save? Where should you invest? How should you invest? We're talking about giving. Giving and tithing are differently, so we're going to deal with those different things. Tithing is expected. Giving's like free will. It's above and beyond the tithe. Okay, so we talk about that. Uh, marriage and money. Well, the number one causes of divorce is... Money. So we're going to talk about how marriage two become one, and that's not just in a physical way. That's in every way, and that deals with your finances too. So how do you manage finances in a marriage? We're talking to talk about the next generation of money. We're talking to talk about how, how do you teach your kids and teach teenagers how to manage their funds because a lot of times they get out of the house, and let's be honest, they go to college and they act stupidly with money. So we need to teach them how to be wise with their money. And then this last one, uh, inheritance or heritage. What to leave behind and what to send ahead with finances. Maybe you're at that stage of life You say, well, what do I do with this? Do I leave something behind or do I, sit, do I invest in something for the future? What do I do here with this? Okay. And so practical application from our personal financial life. So three things here and we're done. First one is this. Submit your finances to God. Recognize that you are indeed just a steward. Submit your finances to God. Here's, here's a, a simple thing that you can do tonight at the altar, or to this week at home, is just go before the Lord and say, God, I, I've had a wrong thought process about money, and I just want to go before you, and I want to I go on record and say this, God. It's not mine, it's yours. And I just want you to know that I know that that's how it's going to be. Just be a good steward and submit your finances. Second thing is this. Seek God's will in every financial decision. If it really is God's money, maybe you need to ask what God wants done with His money. Go before him and say, hey, God, here's your money. What do you want me to do with it? It's a very liberating thing, too, when you start to realize that. Uh, God, you're getting a little light on money here, right? <laughs> I'm getting a little short. It's a liberating thing. It really is. And, and again, sometimes that's our poor management more than it is anything with God. But I'll tell you, I've experienced blessings when I've come up, and it's not by any fault of my own. But we just things happen financially, you come up short, you go before the Lord and say, God, I'm trying to do right in my finances, but I've gotten in trouble, can you help? It's amazing how God opens the windows of heaven and knows how to bless those who are doing right in their finances. And I'm telling you, there are testimony after testimony that not only I can give, but others in this room could give of that very thing. So seek God in every finances. And the last thing is this, be faithful with what you have. God never asks you to give what you don't have. He hasn't asked you to somehow be uh, better with your finances if you had more. God wants you to be faithful with what, what you got right now, whether that's a kid who's getting $5 in allowance every week or whether that's somebody who's getting multi-millions of dollars every year. God wants you to be faithful where you're at right now with your finances and be what God intends you to be. Well, let's all stand together as we come to a time of invitation here tonight.